This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Hello, and welcome to Flourish with me, Tiffany Boyd. This is a podcast where we explore what it means to live with intention. I'm a mom to three beautiful boys, a wife, a friend, an entrepreneur, and so many other things. When my dad passed, I made a commitment to myself to live with intention. For years afterwards, I struggled with discovering what that meant. I felt uncomfortable giving myself permission or even figuring out how to honor that. What I do know and believe is that where attention goes, energy flows. This show will explore what it means to live with intention, seek to inspire you, and bring practical tools through stories and interviews that you can use to change your own life. Thank you for joining me and this wonderful community of women as we raise our vibration, honor ourselves, and live intentionally. Welcome back to the Flourish podcast, where we discuss what it means to live with intention. And today's podcast is somewhat inspired from this past weekend. And for those of you that live in Canada, you probably celebrated Thanksgiving this past weekend. I know that in uh, the United States, you guys celebrate it much later in November, And in other places of the world, I'm not quite as familiar with your holidays. And um, I suspect just based on the origins and the history of Thanksgiving here in uh, the Western Hemisphere, that it isn't the same for you. And I do want to say thank you to everybody that's tuning in because there are truly people listening from all over the globe. And it is such a delight to know that we're connecting through time and space to places like Malaysia and Ireland and the UK and New Zealand and Japan, the list goes on. It's a huge, um, a huge burst of excitement when I see all these international countries show up as I'm looking at the analytics from the podcast. So thanks for being here. So today's podcast is on intentional eating. And it's a bigger conversation than that because it's about health and well-being and your values and how you define success in your business and how you create space for things like intentional eating. But that's such a big topic that we're going to hive off a small piece of it today and focus in on intentional eating. Now, before we dive in, full disclaimer It is Tuesday because it was a long weekend, but it feels like a Monday for me. I uh, have two kids home today. Uh, They're actually just fine, but we were just being cautious because they felt a little bit off. So I thought, let's keep them home just to be sure. And we had gone through our whole morning and done a bunch of errands and... I had aligned some screen time at the same time I was going to sit down. And just as I sat down to record, the uh, repair guys showed up for our fireplace. So you might hear some drilling and some noise in the background, but you know, it's not about perfection. It's progress over perfection. So 
you know, you just keep going and apologies in advance if there's a little bit of drilling or <laughs> random banging in the background, everything's okay. Uh, our fireplace is just having its final touches uh, from its installation. Okay. Without further ado, let's talk about intentional eating. And this is a topic that I continue to see pop up everywhere. And it's funny because intentional eating is a term that I started to use to describe my own approach to food and nutrition and diet years ago. And I think organically, a lot of people have probably kind of picked up on the same wavelength. And I think it's actually becoming a a modality Uh, or an approach to diet and nutrition now. But I'll tell you a little bit about what it means to me and why it's so significant. Um, So intentional eating or intuitive eating rather, and apologies, I said intentional, um, but what I did mean to say is intuitive eating. Intuition is a huge, huge part of my business and my approach to support for those of you in your own business. And it's that acknowledgement that we have an inner knowing and that inner knowing is powerful and it's a skill like any other linear strategic skill that we accept blatantly in mainstream intuition is an absolute superpower. And Tuning into your intuition is something that I believe is absolutely essential if you want to be successful in life and likewise in your business. And when I talk about success, I don't have a linear or a narrow definition of success. And I think that's one of the most important things that we need to start to understand. Success is about how you define it. It's on your own terms. And when you start a business or you launch into a pursuit or your approach to life, one of the first things that you want to do is get really intentional around what it is that you actually value. And if you're operating a business and you can't articulate your three core values, I would say that is the best place to start for anyone, anytime in life. And A value exercise is a very, very simple process. Get a list of values. I have a free download actually on my website where it's got a list of of values and some um, point by point, point step-by-step instructions. But all you really need to do is look at a list of values and start to go through and select everything that resonates. And you continue to refine that list until you have your three core values. And values are things that you can use to make decisions about everything about if there's not necessarily a right or a wrong option, but there's a best option for you. It's what aligns with your values. And so it's like that litmus test for life. Uh, For me in my business, it is family, kindness, and service. And so every choice I make, I test How does this support my work-life balance, my support to my family, my sense of self in my family, my sense of wholeness? So family for me is broader than just in service to my family. It's also in service to myself so I can show up in the way that I need to for my family. Service is about impact. And so many of the women I work with and so many of the women that I talk to This is what you do. You have, you're about having impact. You're about providing support. You're about creating 
meaningful connections and having meaningful impact as a result of how you show up and being able to support you to do that well is massive for me. And then kindness. It's just really important to who I am. I don't want to succeed if it ever means compromising, feeling like I can show up in a way where I leave any interaction and it feels good and it's kind. And that doesn't mean that it's a false sense of kindness. Sometimes honesty, even when they're hard truths, are the greatest forms of kindness and they're the hardest to offer. And I try to hold myself true to honoring those, having those difficult conversations, but doing it with compassion and care and really truly trying to understand where somebody else is coming from, holding compassion, uh, being empathetic when it's appropriate. And that allows me to show up in a way that I feel is in integrity with who I am. So looping all of that back, the point of that is when those things are aligned in my life, I am successful. Now, let me just add one further value that I assign to every woman who is in business, and that is abundance or wealth generation, because you're not running a business to not make money. Then you're just, then you just have an expensive hobby and the more abundant you are, the more freedom you have, the more capacity you have to give back, the bigger the impact you can have. And I want to reframe how we look at abundance or wealth generation and stop looking at it from a negative or greedy lens. It's important and you need to claim it and own it. So when those four things are aligned, then my business is successful. And how do I know if those things are aligned? How did I know that those things were important to me to be successful? That's my intuition. That's my inner knowing. And what are some of the cues that I use? Part of it is really being in touch with my body and myself and my emotions. And that is a life's work, always evolving but it's that intuition, that inner knowing. And one of the things that I think is critically important to showing up and being successful is that it isn't at a cost to yourself, that those non-negotiables in your life, and these aren't your core values, these are non-negotiables, they might be about your time, like you don't work on the weekend, that you create space for healthy eating and movement, they need to be there and understanding, sorry, let me back up. I lost my train of thought because they're drilling. So the point that I'm trying to make here is that you aren't successful if it's at the cost of yourself. And I've seen a lot of women do this. They run a successful business from the perspective that it's generating income. It might be employing people. It might be achieving impact at the cost of themselves. They're no longer taking care of themselves. They no longer have time for themselves. They're eating fast food or they're just eating easy food or they're eating their feelings because they don't have time and space to process them or time and space perhaps to get outside, to be in nature, to balance yourself. And I think as women generally, we're all very guilty of this, not necessarily those specific things, but whatever that version is, 
where it's making yourself small or giving a piece of yourself or compromising part of who you are to create space for your kids, to create space for your business, to create space for your partner. And that's got to stop because that's not true success. And even if you don't care about that and you just care about the business side, the strategy, you are a finite resource. You will burn up. You will burn out. You can't keep going like that. And if that's your business strategy, something has to give and it needs to be reworked. Step number one is believing that you don't have to prescribe to old paradigms of more we, more work equals more value equals more income. That just is a false perception. And it could become your reality if you accept it. But if you don't choose it, it does not have to be the case. So intuitive eating, this is a really good spot to start, to tune into your intuition because you have to eat every day because you get cues from your body about being hungry or thirsty or cravings. And it's a way that you can have fun, fuel your body feed your body, care for your body, and start to tune into your intuition. So it's actually something that I think is a great and fun opportunity to start to stretch that intuition muscle. So last week, if you listened in, I have been craving spicy foods and I got some texts asking if I'm pregnant. I am not. (laughs) So let the record, let the record uh, be clear. This is just my body naturally adjusting to the change in weather and the fact that it's getting colder and it's snowing and I want to heat up and I'm craving earthy vegetables and all those things that coincide often with the fall harvest. And I actually look at that and think that that is a really great sign that my body is jiving with nature, is jiving with the seasons. And I honor that and I find foods like I found some fresh um, turmeric that I can grind from the grocery store and I'm trying to honor what my body is asking for and make it fun for the family, make it a new experience, having fun with food, making it a sensory experience and making it decorative. Now I live with all men, three boys, a husband and three dogs, all male. I should, I, I guess I do have some some females, my chickens, my laying hens are all ladies, uh, but in the house. And, you know, honestly, I don't think they care as much about the presentation of the food, but I love it. I love taking the time. I love sitting down and knowing how much care and attention and detail and micronutrients are in a single dish. And I enjoy it and I'm enough for that to matter. And so I do it. And It's okay if they don't like it. And if they do, that's a bonus, but it's for me and they get the benefits. So it's a win-win. And I want to talk about, uh, I do get questions often about some of the things that uh, I do with my own diet and routine. And I hesitate because I really truly believe that this is an individual quest. What I do will not be right for you. What you do will not be right for me although there may be some crossover, but the goal is to tap into your body and listen to your intuition. How does your body speak to you? 
Do you get insights? Do you get thoughts that pop into your brain? Do you feel things? Do you get goosebumps? Do you have an inner knowing? Start to pay attention and start even just with food. When you're hungry, is it because you're hungry or are you bored or are you using it to ground yourself because you've been too in your head or perhaps you're eating your feelings? I think, uh, you know, many of us are guilty of that from time to time. And what's really interesting to me actually is that since I've left my corporate job, since I've stepped away from it, um, I wear a Garmin watch, so I'm always tracking my activity and I use the 10,000 steps as a benchmark. I know that's just an arbitrary number that was thrown out there, but it is a good benchmark for me. And I always try to get to at least 10,000 in some blend of, of activity, just, you know, movement throughout the day or a combination of a run or walk or a bike, all of those things. And since I've stepped away from my corporate role, I'm averaging close to 15, sometimes 18,000 steps a day without effort because there's time and space and I'm up and moving and my lifestyle looks really different. And I would say that my appetite has also decreased by about 30%. And so I was thinking about, you know, when I was struggling to get 10,000 steps a day because I sat at my desk or in meetings most of the day, but I often felt very, very hungry. What part of me was I trying to satisfy or fuel or support through food as therapy or through food as avoidance when I was in that role? And I was genuinely hungry when I was eating. And I think that's a really important point to make. Are you truly hungry when you're eating? Because I think a lot of us eat mindlessly. I think a lot of us eat beyond when we're no longer hungry and we're actually full. And so how are you connecting to your food? Are you taking time to sit and eat it, to enjoy it, to prepare it? Perhaps you don't enjoy preparing food and you actually value convenience, but you want to make enough money so that you can pay for someone else to do that. That's fine too. And But the point is you still need to connect and enjoy it. One of the things that we've started as a family, just getting into some of our routines and some of the things that we do, is really starting to think about, and this is partly about education and preparing the kids to make informed decisions, because I don't ban anything. Like they don't go to a party and can't eat the cake. We don't have, you know, purely entirely nutritional things. We have a balance and we provide balanced meals and lunches, but they certainly eat their share of granola bars and other things that probably aren't great. But what I want to empower in them is a sense of education, knowledge, choice, and connection to food. So there are a few key things that I do with the kids. One, and this is a practice of late, so I don't know how well it's going to go, but actually taking the time to honor the food on our plate. If it's a vegetable, you know, we have a vegetable garden and I often say I'm a very enthusiastic gardener, yet ill-accomplished. Understanding how much work a farmer put into growing that vegetable, the nutrients it took from the soil, the space it took on our planet, and then all of the effort it took to get from wherever it was grown to the store, to our plate, through, and all the hands that were involved in getting it to fuel our body. And so actually taking the time to recognize 
the effort and energy and attention that went into that food and connecting to it. Uh, If we grew it even better. And when it's an animal, really truly connecting that there was a living, breathing animal. And now that food is providing nutrients to us. And it's hard to be mindless when you start to think that way about your food. And if you've gardened and you know how much work goes into growing food, or if you've gone hunting and you understand the sacrifice that an animal makes in order to fuel your body, you start to really feel connected and you can express your gratitude. And I actually believe that helps absorb, helps your body absorb more nutrients just by being in a state of gratitude for the food that's on your plate. So we take some time at the dinner table, not every night, but from time to time to have that conversation, to have that connection to our food and to understand where it came from. The other thing that we make a conscious effort on is, is trying to eat as locally as possible. I think that, and this isn't scientific by any means, though I do know there is research on that. I think there was the hundred mile diet that was available for a while. And the idea being that you eat food that is grown or naturally occurring within a hundred miles of where you live and wherever possible, we certainly try to do that. My boys are little foragers and they have quickly become more adept and skilled at identifying plants than me. When we go out on hikes, they're constantly gathering and we use a local book with different plants to identify new plants and understand what they do for us. But in the fall, they're perpetually picking berries. They were grabbing cranberries, late season cranberries yesterday when we went out for a little bike ride. They can identify different um, leaves that are good for teas and they'll collect them and we encourage it. And you know, they might just get a handful, but we'll come home and we'll make a pot of tea. If we get some Labrador tea and add some honey that we've bought locally, we have, um, wherever possible, my husband hunts and I've recently started though. I haven't actually uh, been successful, but I think if I'm going to choose to eat meat and I have the opportunity then it's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity for me to be connected to the source and to put in the work to obtain the meat for our family. And we actually went on a family moose hunt and we weren't successful in that either, but starting to understand the sacrifice, to understand the work, to understand how a single moose would feed our family for an entire year and how we would consciously try to use every part of that moose and show our gratitude. And quite frankly, it will be, I know it will be incredibly challenging and hard for me if I'm ever successful or witness a successful hunt. But I think that's important because it's really easy to grab food, to grab meat off the grocery store shelves and not have any connection to the sacrifice. And because it's hard doesn't mean it's bad but it means that you're truly connected and you're really appreciating where that food came from. And that's an effort that we're trying to make with our kids. And we talk about it at the table for as long as their attention span will hold. Um, I don't want to give you this sense that we're uh, totally this enlightened family because the conversation is not so linear when it happens at the table, at the dinner table with the kids and my husband, but it's an effort that we're making. Um, another thing we do is we talk about what is in food that's great for us. And 
you get really excited when you start to realize not just the macronutrients, which are the fats and the proteins and the carbs, but the micronutrients, the vitamins and minerals and what those things do for your body. And then the phytochemicals, which are the non-nutritive components. So not the micronutrients or the macronutrients, but like in broccoli, for example, there is a phytochemical called sulforaphane and it's an excellent anti-cancer property of bro- broccoli and cru- I'm never going to get this word right, but let's try it. cruciferous, cruciferous, we'll go with it, uh, foods. And, you know, I think if we could bottle some of the things that naturally occur in just fresh fruits, herbs, and vegetables, the pharmaceutical company would absolutely be doing it, but it's there and it's at our disposal. And so we try to talk about those sorts of things as well because it makes you feel really good about what you're putting into your body and it starts to help you feel empowered in your own health. It starts to help you feel more healthy. And as you start to become more conscious and more intentional and more intuitive in your eating, your appetite starts to level out. You crave the things your body truly needs. You know, I think there's something to be said in pregnancy when you're having cravings and it's probably about something your body needs for the you know, for the growing baby and for your body to support that life. I craved orange juice in one pregnancy and I'm quite sure it's because I needed the vitamin C. And so how do we connect with that? And when we're craving something that isn't healthy, how do we identify what that really is? Is it that we're missing a bunch of nutrients? Is it that we're emotionally imbalanced and we need to actually you know, process and deal with those feelings that we're pushing down and trying to eat cake or ice cream instead? Are we bored? Are we not satisfied in our life? And so we're not satisfied in our eating either. You know, there are parallels and it's interesting. The more you start to listen to your body, because the body is always speaking to us, our intuition is always there. It's very literal. You know, you'll get a small hit and then a bigger hit and then a bigger hit But, you know, if my back is hurting, I think, you know, or my shoulders, I'm like, well, what weight am I carrying that I don't need to carry? You know, like get kind of literal and start to really start to dig in and understand what is my body telling me right now? Um, So those are, those are some of the things that we do with our family around intuitive eating and listening is creating that connection to the food, creating that learning and that education, empowering them to make choices. I also include the kids in preparing food and, um, they believe, and perhaps they're right, that it is uh, essential if the food is going to be delicious. So, uh, we have a spice drawer with everything organized and my one guy loves putting spices in. He often has no idea what he's pulling out of there. So there does need to be some, uh, some supervision of the process. And sometimes I let them put a little extra of something in their bowl so that they have the experience and they can start to learn what it is that they're doing. Um, but so yes, we include them. My older son loves salad. And so he started to prepare salads for us. And the deal is he'll cut the vegetables and put the things in the salad. And then I make the dressing and it's actually getting to the point where it's helpful. And it's not for a really, really long time. It's actually just a huge effort and a lot of work to, um, have the kids in the kitchen sometimes, but again, they've got that connection. And I was making a soup last week, 
uh, the one that I was I referenced in my last podcast. I knew that it wasn't something my kids would typically want to eat. It had a ton of vegetables in it and beans. And so I thought, well, how can I help them feel connected to this so that they want to try it? And it worked. They actually all ate the soup because they were involved in the preparation. So that's huge for us, including them in it. We also try to meal plan with them involved. So we give them a night and they can choose a meal. It has to be a reasonable supper meal that we can prepare within a reasonable amount of time and reasonably healthy. And even if it's something like my middle guy always wants breakfast for supper, so pancakes, bacon, eggs, sausage, and we just make a really healthy pancake Uh, I make one that's gluten-free with banana and hemp and a bunch of other things. And it's a great way where we can provide choice and include them in the process. It actually makes it easier for me because I'm not always meal planning and it creates more connection to that food and it honors what they're craving as well. So other high level things with respect to intuitive eating, um, that seem to be staples. So I don't do everything every day and my, uh, routines and habits are perpetually changing as I honor where I'm at. But one of the things that has been a bit of a constant is, um, the inclusion of medicinal mushrooms. And I use those, uh, mostly in powder form or in tincture form in, um, I guess, I don't know, but I think there is a term for this, but the kids just call it my potion and, (laughs) you know, we can call it a potion, but for me every night, uh, one of the things that I've done now for a number of years is I make a hot chocolate and I use just organic, um, cocoa. I use either a little bit of honey or uh, date sugar to sweeten it. Not much, just a little, Um, and I use a turmeric blend with some black pepper. I always throw some collagen in there and my mushroom blend. I often also put in some immune boosting, uh, tinctures. Uh, I use a lot of the products from Harmonic Arts. They're a company that I am not being paid to say anything about, but they're a Canadian company and they harvest and grow their products, um, in Canada, uh, on the Island for the most part, from what I understand. And if you're familiar with four Sigmatic, it's similar, but I use their mushroom blends and I use a little bit of oat milk just to make a paste and then add hot water. And I always top it off with some heavy whipped cream because I really love whipped cream and I have an entire container dedicated to it in my fridge. If you know me, you've seen it. And I really feel like we have to do those kind things where at the end of the day, I am just sitting down and having such a lovely, relaxing, nourishing for the soul, nourishing for the body beverage. Um, the other thing that I do most days is start the day with some greens powder. Uh, I won't get into vitamins because I feel like that's changing and it's not a regulated industry. So I don't feel as comfortable talking about that, but I approach that intuitively as well. And again, I'm not sharing any of this necessarily because I think it's the right thing for you. I'm just sharing as a frame of reference and more because I want to empower you to find those systems that work for you as well. I guess the last thing that I'll share 
that's really big for me for overall health intuitive eating is creating a really healthy microbiome which is all about having those good bacteria in your body um for a really long time i used to make my own dairy-free kefir which is just some grains that will ferment and uh, produce you know, a fermented beverage. And it's a 24 hour cycle. So I did it with uh, coconut milk at the time with some kefir grains and I would put it into a smoothie that I'd make for the kids every morning to start their day. They are less willing to have my smoothies these days. So it's not as successful and you really do need to be uh, replenishing and using that milk on a 24 hour cycle or the grains will um, you'll over ferment and then they'll go bad, which happened actually when we were on holiday and I haven't replaced them, but wherever I can get a healthy balance of fermented food, I make, um, kimchi and I make sauerkraut, uh, preferably with things that I've grown. Um, but I'll do it now. It's something I love to do in the fall and I give away usually at Christmas and we've just purchased, uh, some local vegetables through a charity, uh, with the school where, it's not a charity, sorry. It's a fundraiser where local farmers provide veggies. You get a box of assorted things, money goes to the farmers and it also supports the school. So we've got a couple boxes with some really great beets and carrots and cabbage and more than we'll be able to eat. So I will absolutely use those and make some fermented, uh, kimchi. I've got some amazing fresh turmeric. So I'm actually really excited to do that. Um, and also the way that we structure our lives, I try not to use too many harsh cleaners, natural things, uh, within our own home. And we, the kids get dirty. They put their hands in the soil and that's okay. I clean them at the end of the day. It's not like they're gross, but I'm not afraid of them getting dirty and getting into life. We also have chickens and dogs and things that produce natural, healthy bacteria, which is great for the immune system. My little guy just came in. Um, I was talking about immune health and immune benefits. So having a really good balance of, um, or a good and healthy microbiome is really important. Um, and that comes from your environment. It comes from the foods that you consume and also, um, you know, the probiotics for sure are important, but prebiotics and just what you're exposed to in your natural environment from a young age. So our kids will go into the chicken coop, they'll get the eggs and they're exposed to natural bacteria as a part of their environment. I know this is years ago, um, and I'm not going to probably do it justice, but just at a high level, one of the immunology, um, lectures that I attended in university, uh, in my health sciences degree, they were talking about the impact of sort of a hyper clean society and unintended consequences where we're trying to rid uh, exposure to harmful viruses or bacteria, but we're also creating almost a sterile environment. And I think that's something to be very conscious of, especially during these COVID times where we're all using hand sanitizer, which is equally killing the good bacteria and that biome that you have even on your outer layer of skin, which is essential to health. How are we replacing that and creating, you know, a healthy balance? Of course, when we're out, we want to make sure we're not bringing anything in, but how can you create a flourishing, um, bacterial, I don't know how to articulate this. Well, I'm sure there's a term, but, um, 
environment with a lot of healthy bacteria. And we've been using these principles for a really long time. And sorry, just coming back to the lecture, I'll close the loop on that first. So one of the things that has been observed over time is that we've done a really good job of getting rid of some viruses in developed countries, but we've created more issues like asthma and other things that are ultimately related sometimes or linked to poor micro poor microbiomes in our environment and in our bodies. And so we're seeing an increase in incidence and those sorts of things as a result where you just don't see it in developing countries because they're exposed to healthy bacteria so often and from an early age. And so it's finding that balance and you'll find it for yourself. Like if you're out and about, of course, you know, with COVID now, we're all going to take extra precautions and we want to make things clean, but there's a good amount of dirty to be too in a safe context. And so not to be afraid of that because it is really healthy. I remember once I'm all into all of the fermented things. And one of the things that I tried to do, but wasn't very good at, and I'm so grateful that I have an aunt who is, so we benefit from that is making sourdough bread. And I remember listening to this podcast where somebody was trying to get their starter and their culture to be as healthy as possible. And they actually took their culture into an environment, into a bakery where they made sourdough bread because there is enough of that good fermented bacteria or that bacteria rather, um, that being in that environment will improve the quality of their starter and just having it there. And sometimes when things are so invisible, we just take for granted or forget, um, that it's there. And so how do you create that sort of like healthy bubble of good bacteria in your own environment? And so I'm not suggesting like you don't clean because I do that a lot, probably to a fault. Uh, but what products are you using? Are you getting outside? Are you getting into nature? And see, these are all connected to intuitive living and health. And these are just some of the things that we do. And I know I've kind of gone off and I, I knew I would struggle to stay just on intuitive eating. Um, but intuitive eating is a really great place to start because you start to have that connection to mind and body. You start to understand and you can instantly respond in a way that's loving and nurturing to yourself where there is that instant feedback between mind and body and gut. Uh, and I mean that literally and figuratively. Um, and again, that's the goal. That's the goal of why we're trying to start businesses or run successful businesses is to have that balance, to live intentionally, to take care of ourselves, to have that time and space freedom. And it's not just about the physical time of being able to do these things, but there is an emotional freedom where you have more emotional bandwidth, I call it to absorb and consider and do some of these things that are, you know, when push comes to shove and you're just trying to get by less critical and they will fall off. But these are the things that we need for long-term sustainable health and happiness and ultimately success. So big topic, not directly on the surface related to business, but absolutely fundamentally linked to overall success and therefore also business. Um, 
I am taking some clients presently for my one-on-one mentorship. And if some of the things that I talk about resonate for you, if you are a female entrepreneur and you are you know, looking to grow or change or shift your paradigm, or you want to be more intentional or in, in how you run your business, if you want to start to claim success on your own terms, but you're not quite sure what that looks like, or you need some support, um, please reach out. We'll schedule a call and we'll connect to see if it's a great fit or not. And we'll take it from there. You can email me at, um, flourishinglately at gmail.com or send me a DM on Instagram and we'll find a time to connect. I just want to share that I so fundamentally believe if it's not me, there's somebody out there that you're going to resonate with. And if you're a businesswoman, you know, not all of the time, but it just makes good business sense to not go it alone. And we all need support. And this was a block I had as well. And I work with a coach on and off because nobody should be doing this by themselves. No matter where you're at in your business, new level, new devil, you're going to need to reach out for the next person for where you're at in your own development and in your business's progression. And, you know, I'm at the point now where I invest quite a bit of money in a coach and I hesitated before I pulled the trigger to work with, um, work with the coach that I'm working with now, nothing to do with them. They're phenomenal, but it was my own scarcity mindset. And it wasn't until I reframed it for myself that every other business, every other conventional business, brick and mortar business, or even my husband, who's a carpenter, he spends hundreds of thousands of dollars to run his business. And fundamentally what I need is a little bit different but the goal is the same. I don't pay rent. Other people pay rent. Like these are investments that are smart investments and save you time and ultimately will make you more money, but don't let an old paradigm or mindset get in the way of getting the support that you need to feel supported, to be successful and to save time. It doesn't have to be hard. You don't need to suffer to succeed. I say this for you. I say this for me. We all need to hear it over and over again, but figure out where you're at, figure out the next wise action and find the right person to provide support. As always, thank you for giving me one of your most valuable commodities, your time, tuning in, sticking it out through the drilling and the banging. I think they've left. I feel bad because I didn't say goodbye or thank you. So I'll have to follow up. I thought they'd be a bit longer. And I also didn't think I'd talk so long. Uh, and for those of you that celebrated Thanksgiving, happy Thanksgiving, and we'll be in touch soon. Uh, if you do have time, please consider leaving a review and rating the podcast. It really helps to get the word out about the podcast. And if you enjoyed this or any other episode, please share it with a friend. As always, I hope you are flourishing lately. This little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine Let it shine Let it shine Let it shine